Hello there, CoveyCast listeners. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm so glad you're joining us for this podcast today where we talk to Dr. Donica Moore, who has an incredible reinvention story that has four parts about reinventing after a health issue. And wait till you hear, I mean, when I met her, we had met some time ago when I was running Moore Magazine, but I did not know her story you know, walk through fire health-wise, and she's a doctor, and had to change what she does many, many times because of repeated surgeries, and she's out there and doing her own thing anyway, and she was on television and had to give it up because of a health issue. I think you will be truly inspired by her story, and um, she has a wonderful uh, podcast that you can listen to that I did with her and it's on iTunes and it's called In the Ladies Room with Dr. Donica. And she literally means she's talking about things that nobody would talk about except in the ladies room. You know when you're stuck in the stall and your girlfriend starts asking you the most important questions and everybody else is standing around listening? That's what she's doing. Anyway, I think you're gonna get a kick out of Dr. Donica Moore and let's welcome her in. So I want to welcome Donica Moore. Donica, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. I am so glad after being on your podcast. <laughs> I, we're, we're exchanging podcasts here. I think here. That's, that's how the really podcast cool. business works is, uh, you know, you do mine, I do yours. Yeah, there uh, we that's go. That's kind of how we get the conversation going even more. I think so. Absolutely. We had a wonderful conversation. When was that? That was a couple of months ago. It was two months ago, and you were one of my first guests in the ladies' room with Dr. Donica. In the ladies' and room. And so thank you very much. And we talked about all things related to your menopause journey, my menopause journey, and everything else that we could think of. So can people still find that and watch that? Is it on your site? Absolutely. It's and where on do they go? iTunes. It's on okay. iTunes. And the name of it is In the Ladies' Room with Dr. Donica, and you are episode number four. Um, and it was uh, Menopause with Leslie Jane Seymour. Cool. So they can still find that. It's completely free, easily accessible, and still just as good as it was that day. So before we talk about your unbelievable series of reinventions, just <laughs> explain, because I do think it's hilarious and women will relate, why you call your podcast In the Ladies' Room and the kinds of things that, that come up in your podcast because of it or when you got the idea for. Yeah, the whole concept was to have conversations the way you and I would have a conversation if we ran into each other in the ladies room, as opposed to if I, you know, usually when I do media, uh, I talk about things very professionally, very Dr. Donica, you know, my doctor voice. I don't share any personal anecdotes in general. And I wanted to do something totally different. I just wanted it to be very conversational um, and talk the way real women talk. I also had this concept that I didn't necessarily want to interview other doctors who were experts or quote unquote experts in the field. I wanted to talk to women who were experts because they had been there, done that. And yes. we have talked about everything from menopause to migraine, uh, from heart disease to health and wellness. We've also talked about uh, the Me Too movement mm. with Olympic champion Nancy Hogshead, who Great. was brutally raped before being in the Olympics and went on to become wow. a totally kick-ass civil rights attorney who specializes wow. in Title IX issues. And then we recently did d domestic violence. So I tried to break oh, it up wow. with you know serious 
and fun. Yeah. Wow. So next time I run into you in the bathroom, I'll, <laughs> I'll be sure to bring up the whatever newsy topic is, is on my mind while we're in the well, bathroom. And this is, what, this is how we are. And if you think about it, for years, yeah. men have said to us, what do you talk about talk in about. there? Because <laughs> you're there for so long. Room. But it's usually that we're waiting online and we have to chit chat yes. about something. I met a woman in the ladies' room the other day who was uh, much, much older than I am um, and went to my same high school. Okay. Um, and we just happened to run into each other and have this conversation and figure that out. So it's lots awesome. Of my favorite episode so far, though, aside from yours, was um, how to lose your losing your virginity after divorce. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> so There's a lot a of juicy stuff. Okay. So since we're talking about reinvention, let's talk a little bit about your reinvention. You told me a story of health reinvention, which we really have not covered on the Covey, um, the Covey cast before. Okay. Um, but it's so extraordinary that I thought, let's start with, first of all, what kind of doctor are you? And talk about, you know, your beginnings, and then um, we'll talk about television, and then we'll talk about what happened to you illness-wise and how you came up from there. Great. So, um, and remember, we're succinct. We're going to get that in 30 I was minutes. Say, I was born on a Sunday. Right. No, 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 so no. I'm trained in obstetrics and gynecology. Um, I will just say about reinvention, most of the time, or many times, women reinvent themselves by choice. Sometimes women reinvent themselves by right. necessity, whether that's financial necessity or because they want to spend more time with their children right. or they have aging parents or they move. Um, in many cases, it's for medical reasons. So I was trained in OBGYN. OBGYN is an extremely physically demanding right. field. And to make a very long story short, I had had previous surgery for scoliosis where I had a rod in my spine. It broke. A piece of it was pushing against my spinal cord, and I had to have major, major, major surgery and a very long recuperation time. Um, let's just say that happened four times. Four times the <laughs> over rod the course broke. of my uh, yeah since since I was uh, I've had my fourth surgery since I was seventeen. So each time I kind of had to make some reinvention uh, steps. The first time. I couldn't really go back to operating on people because I couldn't really be on my feet for 36 hours a day and lifting and bending, which as you know, obstetrics is a lot of physicality. Right. So family practice did that for a year and fell off a gurney uh, doing CPR on a patient and got a fracture in the back of my hip. So that required a lot of rehab. And then my surgeon said, I can operate on you every year or you can find a desk <laughs> job. So I did, I did the only thing I knew that doctors could do, which is if they couldn't practice, which is I went into clinical research and I had a very fortunate serendipitous encounter, uh, which led me to do clinical research in a major pharmaceutical company. So I didn't have to worry about funding, which was awesome. And I learned the industry side of the business. I was planning to only stay a year. But as these things happened, I wound up saying seven years wow. and I kept moving more and more on to the business side. I did medical education, medical communications, and became the corporate spokesperson. Now, when you're the corporate spokesperson for a multi-billion dollar international company, you get a lot of media training. Oh, that's how it came about. That's okay. That's how it started. Um, and I did a lot of media for the company. At the same time, I they allowed me to do 
all of my professional activities, you know, after hours on my own time. And I rose through the ranks of the American Medical Women's Association, which is the only national organization of women physicians, served in many board positions and got elected president elect. Literally the day after I was elected president elect, NBC called the organization and said, do you have somebody who can come talk about women's health issues? And I got the short straw. Do it. I had to get up at four in the morning. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah, yeah, seven yeah. weeks postpartum. Oh my God. And it was the first night that I could have slept. Oh my uh, God. They talked me into it. I did it. It went really well. And every couple of weeks they called me back. You offered me a contract. So I became the on-air women's health contributor for NBC's uh, Weekend Today Show and the Later Today Show, uh, which was awesome. And I had two babies under two at that time. Oh, God, so how did we do kid. this? <laughs> I Don't you look back and think, what? how the hell did we do this? I was just saying yesterday, I used to get so much more accomplished and I had so many more responsibilities than I do now. And I had a lot less health then than I do now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we do slow down a little bit as we get older, or we say, you know, it's not necessary to take a red eye. Yes. It's not necessary to kill myself. Yes. It's not necessary to take on all of these things. And I've learned how to say the N word, which is no. Good. Yes. Our <laughs> N word. No. Very good one. No. Okay. So you're doing, you're doing NBC for how long? Um, so I had a contract for a year. They eventually canceled uh, that show and rolled it into the Today Show. So then I became a free agent. And I did, I think what most of us do is I said, well, you know, this is a two week, uh, two day a week gig. I started my own company. So the company is Sapphire Women's Health Group. And what I do is women's health education, communications, and consulting, which basically means I get to do whatever I want. Um, and I have five criteria for the company. And I think this is, you know, I know you're very tip focused. Yes. And this is one thing I would recommend to everybody is either to have a mission statement or your game plan, uh, your rules for engagement. And my rules for engagement is any project I do to do with why I became a doctor in the first place. Oh. Number two, it has to have something to do with women's health. It doesn't have to be exclusively women's health, but something to do with women's health. Number three, it has to be with good people. I am done with working with people who suck your blood. You and me that both, babe. All <laughs> I can say is that's the wonderful thing about this time of life and not being in corporate where you're forced to work. I worked with all the mean girls for years. Yes. Yeah, we're done it's with so that. so nice. Done with it. Well, and that's the nice thing of being your own boss. And yes. it's also the nice thing that comes with having achieved a certain degree of success. Obviously, yes. if you're still working to put food on the table, you don't right. have the option to say, I'm done with you. I don't need this project That's because right. you need every single project. Um, right. anyway, my fourth uh, criteria is it has to be lucrative or it has to be pro bono. So I do a lot of pro bono things, Good. but if I'm working for multi-billion dollar corporations, they have to pay me and they have to pay me well. And criteria number five, which I highly recommend to everybody is that it has to be fun. Yes. I'm with fun, down with fun, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not doing any number crunching or, you know, serious analysis or, you know, things that I used to do. You know, when I was in research, I used to have to write FDA submissions, which right. you, you just would rather have a root canal than do right. that. <laughs> so, you know, I get to have some flexibility. So talk a little bit about leaving television and then you had to reinvent yourself again into your own area after leaving TV, correct? 
Well, I didn't really leave TV. Um, maybe I just, I had a hiatus. Okay. All right. But it was <laughs> um, another illness-based hiatus. Well, I had another surgery. Uh, my last surgery was a, uh, about a year and a half, almost two years, I guess two years ago. And it didn't go so well. So the problem with spinal surgery is you very often go in with one set of symptoms and come out with another set of symptoms. It's very complicated. This was a 12 and a half hour surgery. Oh my God. And he accidentally severed some of the legs to my, uh, some, some of the nerves to my leg with no sensation in my right leg and no movement. So I couldn't walk. Um, I did. My mouth is hanging oh. open. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> I can. I'm sure everybody listening is like, oh my God. Yeah, it was okay. pretty terrifying, but I was, for some reason, maybe it was the morphine. I was pretty cool about the whole thing. I love morphine after my C-section. I will <laughs> it's tell a you great that, drug. Makes, that makes everything okay though. I don't know if it would make that okay, but okay. Well, I think what's interesting about morphine is you still feel the pain, but you don't really care. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. It's like, yeah. So, oh. so I did have to go to rehab. My daughter was oh. very funny. She's like, mom, now you're a real celebrity because you've gone to rehab. I went to the- Oh my God, not that kind of rehab. I went to Kessler. <laughs> they got me to be able to move my leg a quarter of an inch, which turns oh out is God. all you need to be able to do to walk with a walker. Oh and my it's God. A long journey. But I think what was interesting is not, you know, in television, in the television business, it's out of sight, out of mind. So I think people forgot about right. me. But also oh. what happened during that time period is I turned a certain age. And, and we can talk I, about that here. You don't have to say a certain. I think I might have become, you know, a little too old for daytime television. Uh, you know, there's younger, sexier doctors yeah. who they could have. Um, and I was pretty resentful about that. Um, you know, but now so I feel, you should be. So you now should I feel be. like I'm making my comeback. Uh, and what's great about this podcast vehicle is it's a great way. I have the looks for podcasts. <laughs> Go, absolutely. And you're interacting. That's you know, you're not dependent on a producer to tell you what topic. I remember when I first started at the uh, Weekend Today show, I was dying to do a thing on osteoporosis. And the producer literally told me it had too many syllables. And we couldn't oh. talk about osteoporosis because it has too many syllables. Now I'm do talking you know about hydradenitis superativa which has there more go. syllables than any other medical condition I know of. <laughs> no, and that this is real life. And I'll tell you somebody, what was the thing that just happened? Oh, a friend of mine was, came to, went to the t television stations because she's 50 plus. She's hot, amazing, incredibly successful, can't find a guy. And she is hmm. going to be advertising. She decided to advertise, she's so freaking funny. On the back of the on the taxi cab videos, you oh. know, that and she decided, let me do that. So she got one of the television stations. We won't say who interested, and they loved the idea. But they said, "Can you come back?" And we would like a twenty-year-old to do it. <laughs> like totally missing the, whole, the whole point, point, which was that she's older. She's a bombshell. She looks like a beauty queen, and they didn't get it. And well, just, I haven't looked like a beauty queen since I was twenty-three. But um, I actually used to do the Steve Harvey show. Oh, and okay. we got into a tit for tat once. We had, you know, great chemistry, and I accidentally revealed that I had been recently divorced, and I did not know that his thing was the dating game. Oh, so he's like you're single, 
He goes, I'm going to fix you up. And I thought he was kidding. So we did this repartee, but it turns out he was not kidding. So we did a whole show where he picked out, I had to do a four page survey of my interests. He picked a gentleman to introduce me to. They were both fabulous. We didn't really have a great romantic connection. I let the audience pick who my winner was. (laughs) And then it turns out. I did that. I did that one time with Mary Claire. Go ahead. So the night before the segment was going to air because it was pre-taped, I actually met the love of the rest of my life. Oh. So just uh, the good old-fashioned way through Match.com. Oh, interesting. How <laughs> So have your friend call me. I'm good at this. All right. I'm going to put you guys in touch. <laughs> so let's talk more about reinvention. So you've had a reinvent because of health issues, and I'm sure that a lot of women have that. I'm guessing not quite as severe and frightening as what you've been through and not as repetitive. What are your sort of, you know, you're so together and you're so smart and you're so easygoing and so confident. That's why, and people wonder why I love you. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, it's a, no, but I mean, it really like, how did you get through all this? Is it because you're a doctor and you understand what's going on? Is it because... How is that? How did you get through all of this? And I don't know that I'm completely through it. That's oh, you, number oh one. okay. I think I think with all of these kind of tragedies, you never get over okay. it. You just you know deal right. with it. Um, I think part of it was being a physician. I think part of it was being a pragmatist. But I think probably the best training I had for this was I was a serious athlete. Oh, and a competitive swimmer. You know, my whole youth and childhood and through college. Um, so I think being a competitor. Um, and having been in a sport uh, and having coaches tell you for years and years, you know, work through the pain. Oh, really? <laughs> Deal with it. Um, you know, going gets tough, the tough get going, you know, all of those things. I hung on every cliched, cute quote saying. Um, and I also had a great support team. My family was terrific. Um, I, I had good doctors, you know, very good doctors. Um, and I think I just felt like, okay, this stinks, but now what? And so the main thing I would recommend to people in any kind of sickness reinvention or health-related reinvention is to be very honest about what your limitations are. Uh-huh. So my number one limitation is I don't walk well. So I cannot be in any kind of, I couldn't be in any kind of job where I would have to be walking a lot or the, you know, the next thing is you have to be very practical about what you need to do to make it better. So heels are completely out. Okay. Me. I have to wear flat, ugly shoes. Uh, and the good news is there are some shoe designers that are now making, you know, decent flat shoes right. for women. Um, and just, you have to just say what you care about and what you don't care about. So I needed, you know, I used to joke about and I think humor is a wonderful tool for getting through any kind of challenge, but it also gives you good insight into what sort of your subconscious is thinking. So pay attention to the things you joke about. So one of the things I joked about was I need to find a job where I can just get paid to talk. Ah, because okay. there's nothing wrong with my voice. Right. Right. <laughs> the voice is the same. Um, and then you take that clue and you say, okay, how can I build on this? You know, how can I be in a situation where I'm sitting, where I'm talking, where I'm still contributing, where I'm still working with people who are interesting and valuable. And I think that's the other thing. In any health crisis, it's very easy to become isolated. 
Yes, the isolation overall is something that I believe a lot of women feel when they go through any kind of transition is this horrible sense. I mean, and loneliness too. We just did a big piece on the issue, which is called how to leverage loneliness about how to use it as a, you know, when you're feeling lonely, don't, don't think there's something wrong with you. What it's telling you is that you need to change whatever's happening in your life and use it as a lever. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the isolation is intentional. And there was a long time oh. when I didn't want to see people. Um, or I didn't want to see very many people. I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to do my hair and makeup. You know, I uh -huh. just wanted to focus on, and physical therapy is like a, a part-time job. You know, yes, I can job. imagine. But I think social media is a wonderful way to stay connected, even if you're physically isolated. I even met a young woman uh, a couple months ago from the Westboro Baptist Church who told a great story of how social media allowed her to see what was real in the outside world as opposed to what she was being exposed to. Wow. So it's yeah. a great way to stay connected. It's a great way to broaden your horizons. That's one of the things I love about what you're doing with Cubby Club is that it will allow women to really connect regardless of whether they're isolated because of yep. physical problems or geography. Geography, yep, yep. Is a big one. Or whether they're isolated because the only time they get to connect with other people would be at two in the morning. Right. And that's whether they're insomniacs or whether they're on the, the night shift. You know, we rarely talk about women who have to work the graveyard shift. Yes. Um, yes. You know, overnight. And yes. their schedules are totally, you know, different from yes. the rest of us. Um, or whether nursing mothers are up. Oh, at my God. Oh, yes. Well, there's, you know, as I said, I, you know, because we have to be funny about this, uh, when people go to my contact page in Covey Club, I said, we're trying not to burn out here. So, you know, leave us your message and we'll kind of get back to you between working hours. Unless, of course, we're up at 3.30 sweating. <laughs> and we're happy to return your, your email at that point, right? It's amazing how much work I get done from 1 to 3.30 in the morning. Yes. And I am a night person. Okay. That's so maybe it. that came from being an OBGYN resident when there was no such thing as day and night. So let's talk a little bit about health issues just in general. Cause I think, I don't know if I told you this, but um, I'm two weeks out from an emergency appendectomy. You did not tell me. No, oh my it, goodness. I've never had surgery, never had to go to, and like this just was weird. And I ended up in the hospital. Luckily oh, my husband was there. I am so there. sorry, but I'm glad. I'm glad it oh yeah, it was well. very easy. They threw me out. They operated three in the morning, threw me out by five in the evening. So it was like one of those drive-by appendectomies. Yeah. And, and that's how most appendectomies are. However, some of them can be really super complicated. Yeah, so this was simple, but the whole spectrum. But I can understand just from that one small thing. I mean, I'm now feeling fine, but I'm, I will tell you, the wind was knocked out of me for a week. I mean, I just, I was crashing and burning at 5.30 in the evening and crawling into bed and, and I'm pretty tough and I'm, you know, in good shape and all that stuff. And I was just shocked at how it takes away all of your, yeah, I can see why you would become more isolated. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that happens and how you crawl out of it? Um, I think, first of all, it depends on where you live. You know, obviously, if you're in an apartment building in Manhattan, it's a lot easier for you to stay connected to your neighbors or people who live there than if you're out in the boonies. So right. I'm out in the boonies <laughs> by choice. I love living in the boonies, okay. but it's very easy to get isolated. It's very difficult for all of your friends to come over, and it involves a lot of coordination. Um, I think the other thing is, 
because we kick patients out of the hospital so much sooner than we used to do back in the day, yes. you have this impression that you're not as sick or injured or disabled yes. as you would have been. So in the old days, when we kept people in the hospital for you know five days after an appendectomy, you would have just been resting. Right. But when you're home, right. even when you're infirm, I had this crazy desire to do laundry. <laughs> but I just wanted to do you know, normal yes, activity. Of course. And you have this pressure that, well, you're the one who's home all day, so you should make dinner. Right. Or, you know, and I did have a housekeeper and I'm very, you know, very, of all the people in my life, she was the most important helper. Yes. Um, and my most important member of the support team. Yes. Um, I also did have at the time, very good health insurance, which also makes a huge yes. difference for people. Yes. So my insurance company provided a home physical therapist. Oh, wow. Uh, which, you know, was just terrific. You know, again, because I couldn't drive right. and I'm out in the boonies. Right. So, you know, there's that limitation. Again, if you're in Manhattan, you wouldn't have that right. limitation of that right. issue. So I think the most important thing, if you're somebody who's a driven person and then has to go to zero miles That's an my hour, girl. Most important thing is keeping your brain engaged. Uh, so even if your body is not engaged, if you can keep your mind active and stimulated, um, that's really great. And that was hard for me because in the beginning, I just, and probably again, because of drugs, I didn't really want to read, you know, but then there were all these videos I could watch and podcasts I could listen mm -hmm. to other ways to kind of keep my brain stimulated. And mm -hmm. I did watch, you know, binge watch everything from Scandal to Downton Abbey. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, that was really therapeutic. And it keeps you in bed resting. We, especially when we're driver, driver people, yes. we really, really underestimate the importance of rest. Yes. No, very hard. And I've never done that, you know, myself. So <laughs> It was it was interesting just for the first time in my life, and I and I really had it was eye opening because I was like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. I really it's very hard. And mine was a you know minor surgery, and it was problematic. So let's talk. Well, you know the definition, the medical definition of minor surgery. No, it's surgery on someone else. <laughs> okay, good. We'll use that. <laughs> if like it happened that. to you, it's major. <laughs> yes. No. Oh my God. So, but anyway, it was a big lesson in wow, this is a lot, it really knocks you out a lot more than you think. It takes a lot more. I'm just going back to the gym now, two weeks later. It's, you know, it's just. Mm -hmm. And, and just I, so you know, that's pretty quick, even yeah. after an appendectomy. That's, yeah. that's very quick. So, Most patients are taking like a month off. Right, they, yes, um, yes. After, yeah, from, from working out, not from work. <laughs> right, yeah, no, I'm going at it slowly. I'm going slow. So, Donica, let's, in our last five minutes, talk a little bit about being an older woman and reinventing. <laughs> I'm, well, the number one thing I reinvented um, is I reinvented the definition of what an older woman is. Uh -huh. So my definition of an older woman is somebody who's 20 years older than I happen to be at that there time. There you go. Yes. <laughs> and you know what was interesting for me, you know, back to the dating thing? Yes. Is I had trouble dating, quote unquote, older men. Um, and I had to like shrink myself and say, you know, this doesn't make sense. They're like five years older than you. And I finally realized that in my mind, which is a scary place to be, I was like 40. I know. And if he was 60, yeah. that meant he was 20 years older than me, which is a huge difference. Right. 
Actually, if you do the math, we were only like five years apart. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, you know, I think there's a really funny thing that happens as you get older and everybody has their age in their head of who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a, everybody has a, you know, a number. Mine's like 38. I think I'm 38. And people have different whatever it is. Mm-hmm. To get your mind wrapped around, like when you're looking at people in the newspaper and you're seeing obituaries and whatever, and it's like, oh my God, that person was younger than me. That can't be. No yeah. one dies who's younger than me. That's not possible. And yeah. you just don't realize time has taken its toll and you're a little older than you think. Well, there's a lot of good things about being older. Um, one of the really good things about being in your 50s is that you didn't die of all of the things that That's killed right. people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. That's and right. one of the really good things is that you're still here. That's the, what I think. really good things about, and I think you and I are the same age. Yeah. Um, one of the really good things about being this age is we also have accumulated a fair bit of wisdom. Yes. Um, enough to know what we know and enough yeah. to know what we don't know. Yes. And the other thing is we still have a whole third act ahead of us. Oh, yeah. You know, so and that's usually the best part. Yes. So, you know, I think there's this vitality and this energy that can come from focus on the things that we're interested in. Yes. And from really being at a point where we're just not willing to put up with a lot of the bullshit that we put up with in the past. A lot of that is because we're reinventing the rules. Yes. And we're making the rules. And a lot of that is because many of us are stepping into running our own businesses and running our own shows. So we can make the rules there as well. I love making the rules. And because we're going to, the rule is we're going to finish in 30 minutes. So we've got a few more minutes left. Um, Can you give me three great pointers for listeners who have had a health issue and they need to reinvent themselves? What things could they take away from this conversation and apply to their life tomorrow? Well, I think we talked a lot about rules. So I think I would make a suggestion that they make a list of rules for themselves, Um, similar to how we make New Year's resolutions, but these are actual rules for how I'm gonna conduct my daily life. Um, Number two, if they're reinventing themselves, I think they have to really focus on what needs reinvention. Sometimes in my case, I reinvented my career and my personal life at the same time, which I don't recommend. Of course you did. Of course you did. That's the problem. Um, It shouldn't have been been one or the other, right? We all do it all at once. I think for for many women in our age, divorce is also a real factor as well as disability or sickness or health or reinventing yourself because you need health insurance, which is another factor. And I think the third rule is to be realistic. I think it's great to be a dreamer and it's great to have lofty goals and you know that I'm all in favor of you know going for the gold in the brass ring and all the other metaphors. Uh, but I think it's also really important to be realistic. So for me, for example, one of the things I'm striving to do and I'm really haven't achieved this yet is a bedtime. Oh. You know, you know, which I haven't really had since I was 12 years old. Oh. But I'm really trying to do you know, a 10 p.m. bedtime. That means I finally get to bed by 11.30. But that's my goal. So I think whatever it is that you need to do, you know, I can't do these late night after parties anymore. Uh Yes. I just can't. Um, Or maybe once in a while, but then I pay the price. So I think, you know, the tips are very simple and it's really focused. And of course, the number one overarching tip that I give every woman of any age 
uh, whether she's reinventing herself or not with respect to health. Number one on your to-do list. Very hard for most women to Very do that, hard. especially really when they have a family. Telling, I'm good at telling yeah. other people what to do. Not so good at doing it myself, but that's the goal. All right. Well, with that, we're going to close. And I hope everybody will go and pull down in the ladies' room <laughs> and listen to Donica Moore, all her, all her private conversations she might be having with you while you're in the stall and she's washing her hands. <laughs> And um, maybe we'll do our next podcast in six months and we'll do it in the ladies room and see what that's like. That would be very fun. And we'll interview um, whoever comes in. <laughs> yeah, and we'll find a really nice ladies room. Yes, we'll find the nicest one. Okay, that's where we're going to meet up. So thank you, Donica. Thank you. I so appreciate Good it. Good luck. Thank you. for Good. Thanks for helping us learn how to reinvent <laughs> yourself when you have a health issue. My pleasure. I want to thank you for joining the CoveyCast today, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with the wonderful Dr. Donica Moore. And I want to thank you for joining CoveyCast in general. If you like the CoveyCast, I hope you'll subscribe. And if you really like it, I hope you will give us some uh, stars, and a lot of stars, um, so our ratings can get somewhere, and then other women like you can find us. And I wanted to say thank you very much for joining in. CoveyClub.com is launched, believe it or not. We launched a week and a half ago, not without some rocky moments, but we are almost fully up and running completely. So come join us at CoveyClub.com. Sign up, be part of the crowd, enjoy everything. We have online events, offline events. We have great stuff to read. And join us back here at CoveyCast when we have our next interview with somebody who is reinventing and refuses to be told, no, you're too old, you're not gonna do this, not our girls, not the Cubby Club girl. See ya.